This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ring it and sense is brought to you by Franklin Templeton. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance. I'm Sim Wee Boon. In life, there will always be risk in the things that you do, whether you're crossing a street, boarding a plane, traveling somewhere, eating something, or the money that you invest in. Now, regardless of the type of investments, there will always be some risk involved. So it is important for you to weigh the potential reward against the risk to decide whether it's worth putting your money on the line. Understanding this relationship between risk and reward is crucial in building your investment philosophy. So joining me for a short discussion on this is Joyce Chua, a licensed financial planner with Principal Asset Management. And she's also the CEO of Success Concepts, a financial literacy education company. Good morning and welcome to the show, Joyce. So let's start this conversation on risk. Now, we know that there's a range of types of investments that fall from low risk to high risk. So maybe for the benefit of listeners, you can outline a few of the common ones that, you know, you generally consider low risk and uh, high risk or anything in between that you have. I've I've got a book called Sweet Returns. I've often mentioned that I used to be a liquidity addict. So I was addicted to liquidity simply because I wanted to avoid risk altogether. And that is that is a situation where there, there is no risk. Now, um, when, when we mention no risk or low risk, um, some of the common ones we know, are, you know, fixed deposits, uh, guaranteed products, um, and of course, EPF, Amana Saham, Bumi Putra, those that do not have um, uh, a change in uh, the value of your investments. However, having said that, I must say, I must state that low risk does not mean capital guaranteed. Uh, capital guaranteed and fixed, fixed income are not synonymous. So we have to be really careful about that. Capital guaranteed would be things like our FTs. Uh, they are bond issuances or bond funds. They are not capital guaranteed, but they have lower risk. So low risk comes from where there is a low volatility or no volatility, but it does not mean it rewards you in that um, as an investor. Okay, so what about high risk then? High risk is something that we, um, we it's funny, you know, human beings like to avoid high risk investments for the sake that they, for the fact that they don't like to look at uh, changes in, in the values of the investment. So high risk would normally be investments uh, in shares, in, um, in, um, in new alternative investments like crypto, uh, even in properties. Unfortunately, if you look at properties, there are many investors who think that it's low risk because you can actually look at uh, and, and see the property. Uh, there's brick and mortar, you know, you can touch it, but uh, it can be considered high risk simply because it, it is subject to changes in mortgage rates. It's also subject to development risk. Uh, the property developer may not deliver you the VP or uh, another development may come out in front of your house, uh, your condo or house or road, and it becomes high risk. So high risk investments does not just refer to stocks or anything that has a floated value or a value that changes. It, it also refers to the nature of the investments, for example, it being illiquid. 
So that can also be considered risk. Sim. I want to focus on the person themselves, the investor themselves. It, you know, there's a profile that comes with it, a risk profile. And you being in your line of work, I'm sure you would have mm. categorized the people you meet on how, whether this person is a low risk taker, a high risk taker. So maybe you can help mm. us understand uh, someone's risk profile. Like how do you profile someone's risk? What are the kind of um, considerations to make when yeah. you're profiling your risk? I normally go with about five factors. One is experience. I think it's just like a swimmer. I mean, if you are experienced with swimming, you are able then to go to the uh, the, low, the the deeper depths of the uh, the ocean or or the pool. So it's experience. What what have been your experience with risk assets? And I think the second one is after the experience is. How did you react? What was your behavior when the rubber hits the road? When there is a downturn, like what, we've, what we have seen in the last two months? Um, what, 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 what? How did you react to it? What, what is your emotional capital level? That's that's basically what I mean. The second one, and the third is whether you um you have guidance or not. Now, when you have guidance, you are able to take more risks. When you don't have guidance or, or a skill set of your own, you may not want to take that much risk and you may want to actually be swimming on the in the lower end of the pool. Uh, I mean, the shallower end of the pool. I think the other one is um, your current financial need, needs and gaps, if there are any. So it's, it's like you are going somewhere from here to Penang and it takes maybe three or four hours, depending on how fast you drive. Uh, in other words, it depends on which lane you're driving in. Are you driving uh, on the leftmost lane or the, the rightmost lane? Are you driving fast or not fast? So it is your current financial needs. How fast do you need to get to your uh, life goals? Some people may not, may not have planned for a lot of things in their lives and they need to do a lot of catch up. So I think last but not least, uh, it's also the current market cycle. You know, what's the dynamics that's going around um, uh, currently, uh, are, are you are you going with the herd or are you going against the herd? Um, and I've often said that when you know this is when the rubber hits the road, when um, when you you find that there are opportunities in the market. Um, for example, now uh, are, are you are you shying away or are you taking advantage of it? So so you should actually be more risk uh, be a risk taker in times like this, and be more risk averse when uh, things are looking rosy. Unfortunately, sim uh, is the other way around for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, so let's talk about that. I mean, for people to kind of like know about this, what do they need to know in terms of understanding the risk return trade off? Just a simple rule of thumb for the purpose of um, this uh, conversation is that we, we use this thing called age equals to bond. Now, if you're 50 years old, then 50% of your money should be more conservative or lower risk. Not no risk, but lower risk. For example, bonds, for example. Um, so FTs are meant for emergencies because they are so low in returns that I don't even consider them as investments, right? So low risk investments would be uh, bonds and, and, and instruments that have less um, volatility. So age equals to bond. So if you're 30 years old, then 30% in fixed income or uh, in fixed income or in bonds or in something that's low, low volatility low risk or low volatility. Um, and, and I think the second thing is there's really uh, no such thing as uh, I, I want to have low risk and higher returns. There's no such thing as having a cake and keep it in the fridge, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I would suggest that to uh, in, in on top of that heuristic, you know, the bond equals to age, age equals to bond rule, 
set up your portfolio into three pockets. Have um, I call it the three C's, you know, have a cushion of 10 to 20%. That can, can include your emergency money in FDs and lower risk instruments. And then you have the middle, which is your which your core is 60 to 80%. And then the last part is your complement, which is the 10 to 20, which you can take extreme risk or speculative risk if you like. So um, that's how I would assess a person's uh, risk and help them to look at their risk return trade-off as you had asked me just now. Okay, and we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Ring It and Sense is brought to you by Franklin Templeton. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Wee Boon. Today's topic is the risk-reward relationship when it comes to investing. Joining me to discuss this is Joyce Chua, a licensed financial planner with Principal Asset Management and the CEO of Success Concepts, a financial literacy education company. Joyce, uh, I want to ask you now about riskier investments like equities, uh, crypto, etc., what are the considerations to make when you're making such investments? Uh, what are the goals to have? Because I don't think that you would recommend someone to stake their money in equities when it comes to something like their retirement goals or fi- retirement plans, right? I might because it really depends on the financial health check that we, we usually do for someone who comes with to us for, for guidance. So if there are gaps in their portfolio's ability to meet their milestones, so if they've been totally conservative all their lives and suddenly they realize that at retirement they want to have a, a more than normal uh, lifestyle and their conservative portfolio cannot meet that requirement, we really need to stretch that provided the person has had those things I mentioned that you have experienced with, you know, you, you, I need to check what, what is your experience with risk? Uh, how did you behave when markets, you know, take a turn downwards? Uh, do, you have, do you have guidance and those sort of things? Uh, so, First, I need to look at the portfolio's ability to meet your, the, your, your milestones. And then, for example, you I need to also look at what are the areas you have taken risk in. Uh, for, example, uh, for example, I mentioned properties. A lot of um, individuals have put in properties as, as part of their retirement uh, allocation for, uh, for, for retirement. Uh, now, the, the fact is that there are situations when there's just it's just become too illiquid. And so um, an asset class like property that seemingly, you know, look like a low risk or a lesser risk kind of portfolio uh, asset class, it becomes very high risk when you take the whole portfolio for a certain purpose and you look at it and say that's totally illiquid. Or where you have a situation when interest rates tend to be uh, on the upside, which will happen in the next few years, then you will find that the commitments will rise. So that may also alert one that he or she may be taking too much risk. So some of these considerations is 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 important before you take on risk. And I think the the, the other factor is to decide on your model, model asset allocation percentages. What I, do I mean by model asset allocation percentages? That is that is attached to a one purpose. I mean, I've never looked at, I've mentioned that, let's not look at a pot mentality where everything is in a pot and then, you know, you decide, you take out money for different purposes from the same pot. No, every portfolio must have a purpose. It's purpose-driven and it must also have a decided or a chosen model as an allocation percentage. Meaning, 
that heuristic that I mentioned, the, the rule of thumb, bond equals to age, that is just a very simplistic kind of uh, guidance, but you can use that or you... Um, you can talk to a financial planner and, 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 and there are many things that we will need to check behaviorally, like uh, what, what, as I mentioned, what, what, how have you responded to market downturns? What, what is your experience with it? Do you have guidance? What, what kind of milestones do you need? What are your gaps? So you need to do those three things. Yeah. Um, and um, one is gap, looking at what are the gap, whether it's, it's got the ability to meet your milestone, um, and uh, are you overly taking risks in seemingly low-risk asset classes? And three, um, decide on a model allocation that is meant and driven by your purpose. Okay, you mentioned properties just now, and I want to kind of like just spend some time on that because, you know, in Malaysia, uh, at least for the older generation, property is a very popular investment, uh, you know. But the perceptions regarding property, I think, have changed where once it was viewed as a sure thing uh, investment. Um, so I would I would guess maybe it's the type of investments that was viewed somewhat um, low risk but high return uh, at a specific point in time. But now I think the situation has changed, right, where, you know, you have aff- mm-hmm. the affordability coming into, you have the economy uh, to take in consideration. Um, how should investors now view property from an angle of the risk-reward uh, relationship? Uh, first up is that when one invests in property, what was the original purpose? I'm not sure whether this is for another day's topic, but is it meant for rental or is it meant for your own stay or is it meant for capital appreciation? Mm-hmm. So most people invest in property so that they can get rentals. Uh, and and I think in that in itself can become very risky because the way you calculate rental yields is totally different. Um it can be flawed. That's what I meant. Uh, when when one rents, uh, invests in a property for rental, rentals can go up and down. As we've seen, MCOs, you know, we are asked for discounts or uh, and or, or tenants keep uh, paying you rental. So that can be extremely risky. So that has changed uh, as well. Plus, uh, it's become risky because if you have a mortgage property, then you expect your repayments to increase uh, as interest rates will rise in in the future. So how much portion of your portfolio should be exposed to this really depends on uh, your your experience in property investments. Uh, And of course, definitely property is all about location, 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 and definitely about your own cash flows. So therefore, I always advocate looking back at your financial statements, one being your cash flow. Should interest rates go up by a certain percentage point, will your cash flow be able to meet those commitments? If not, then you're taking extreme, uh, 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 higher than more than normal uh, risk in property investments. Then secondly, look at your tenant profile. Is your tenant in an industry that, is vulnerable. Or third, uh, what about the location? Are there just too many condos like where I live? There's just too many condos coming up left and right, front, back. And therefore, values can um, be, be detri- it can be detrimental to the values, especially when, you know, the, the, the road leading to your condo can be overcrowded. So all those things has to be uh, looked upon. 
And I've always mentioned that when we, we look at, we love properties, but when we look at properties, we need to look at just a certain allocation. So therefore, model allocation is very important. I'll just give you my own model allocation. Uh, it's it's a very simple thing. I call it just keep it simple. <laughs> the the KISS uh, uh, acronym. Just keep it simple, and um, it's it's just one third of equities, one third of properties, and one third of bonds. That's for me. And in each of these asset allocation, I diversify in different instruments. So, for example, properties. I have physical properties, and I also have REITs. So that one is really liquid, and one is not liquid. So in bonds, I have you know bond investments, direct bond investments, and bond funds. Uh, and property equities, it would be you know equity funds or some stock investments, which I normally don't quite like because I don't have time to monitor them. Well, I think lastly, then, can we talk about the current environment where, you know, I think you've referenced it throughout the conversation, but let's kind of like package it all together. You know, we're looking at inflation, we're looking at rate hikes, you know, the economic condition are still somewhat uncertain, right? We you know with the, the COVID-19 variants and everything and everyone's still in recovery mode. So how should one stay invested in this current envir- environment then? Um, I think a good, a good reminder is think about this equation, the cost benefit equation. Right, so you know whether to invest or not uh, depends on a lot of other things that we've discussed, right? Experience, guidance, and what have you. But also look at what is the cost benefit of your money. Say, for example, if you say I'm going to invest part of my EPF for this, for for some so into funds, or I'm I'm already 55 and take out my money to invest in a property from EPF. So is that a good choice or not? Because as you said, inflation will eat into our money. So the question here is, is is the investment that you are potentially going into going to give you or yield you better returns than what EPF would have given you? If you're not sure, don't do it. (laughs) If you don't have guidance, seek guidance. Uh, If you're not if you're not experienced with it, seek guidance. So uh, it's the same with FTs. You know, if you're taking money out, I mean, that's a simple example. FTs, you just, FTs is giving you 1.82%. Can this investment that I'm taking a risk for, which is which will yield me better return? So it's a cost-benefit basis uh, that you should always bear in mind. And I think the second one is that the time frame that you'll, putting aside as an investor, not as a speculator. It's different, two different things. So, so we're talking about being an investor, put it, taking more risk, your time frame has got to be at least five years. You know, at, at 6% inflation, uh, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people ask me, what, what do you mean by 6%? I mean, that's also something that we calculate on, uh, on a personal basis. Uh, tea in Penang used to be 20 cents 50 years ago. Today, in a nice hotel, is 15 ringgit. So there's about 6% inflation rate. Uh, at 6% inflation rate, your money loses 25% of its value after six years. So that's not good. So time frame for investment that you need to uh, uh, dedicate to is at least five years. Uh, and third, it, it needs to be goal-driven. If it's for retirement, set up a retirement portfolio with diversified asset class and check and see whether the, the weighted average return for that portfolio can fulfill the retirement funds required to fund your retirement years, as I mentioned. If not, then adjust the portfolio and decide to work uh, your, your, your portfolio and, to, and decide to choose to be less conservative in your portfolio. I'm sure if, if it doesn't meet your retirement needs, um, uh, if your portfolio doesn't meet retirement needs, then your portfolio is likely very much conservative, more conservative than it should be. 
last point but not least is that differentiate the difference differentiate the term between time and timing i mean timing is for speculators time is meant for investors and a good portfolio so uh, don't jump in and out because of um, the markets up and down they have you know as you we read benjamin graham it, it's got what it's got the market has got moods right it's got moods is 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 a bunch of sentiments from a lot of sources so so do you want to actually go according to the market moves moods uh, if you're a speculator maybe then you can capitalize on it but if you're an investor i i suggest you don't because and that's where emotional capital comes in and guidance comes in and a good portfolio comes in and uh, a yearly checkup is important now maybe the fifth one is that if you are really an investor for a particular goal don't check on your investment every day every week every month i think i think it doesn't do it do i mean that's very well when it, the market is moving up you feeling happy you know that dopamine comes in but when it doesn't do well on the flip side like now then your adrenaline comes in and you you just want to get out which is detrimental to your purpose in life and to your portfolio that's been set up for that purpose do you know what i mean sim yes and with that we will end today's show because that's all the time we have for ringgit and cents i've been speaking to joyce chua a licensed financial planner with principal asset management and the ceo of success concepts a financial literacy education company join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance i'm sim weboon signing off for the morning run we have the 10am news bulletin coming up next followed by enterprise bfm 89.9 Ringgit and Cents is brought to you by Franklin Templeton. Say hello to progress and to a better financial future at franklintempleton.com.my slash hello progress. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.